Raven's Veil is a dark fantasy horror anthology podcast that may contain explicit language and thematic elements not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Raven's Veil, a dark fantasy horror anthology podcast set in the shadowy world of the Deep South, a convergent reality situated around what most of humanity has accepted as reality. Obscured from human eyes, Raven's Veil is a mystical sanctuary intended to preserve the existence of its immortal inhabitants. The Macquarie, commonly referred to as witches, have been hunted since before written history. The witches of the Highlands fled persecution to a new land that would come to be known as Appalachia. In these parts, you should always be leery of the things that scare witches. The veil is thin tonight, family. Let's see what darkness lies beyond. Well, hey there, family. Now that the holidays are over, we're excited to get back to telling you the story of Miss Sybil. We're awfully glad to see you come back for a little visit. We're looking forward to seeing what 2024 has in store for us. We hope you've had a good holiday season, and we hope you enjoyed the Ravensville Christmas special. If you haven't heard it yet, it's not too late, and it sure is worth the listen. If you remember, in our last episode, Miss Sybil is in a magical coma of some sort, and there's a stranger sitting beside the bed with Aunt Ruby B. I guess we better get on with it. This story ain't going to tell itself. So settle down now, family, and listen up. There's no telling what's going to happen next. Sybil lay lifeless in a small bed in the middle of a peculiar little room somewhere in Ravensville. The lights were dimmed, and there was a crackling fire in a small fireplace on the other side of the room. The window beside the bed showed it was evening, and there was a soft drizzle gently tapping against the window pane. Aunt Ruby B was fussing about the bed, looking after Sybil, while an unobtrusive yet concerned and attentive man, who looked to be in his 40s, sat in an oversized, comfortable chair beside her bed. His clothes looked a little disheveled, like he had slept in them, and his eyes were bloodshot from going hours without sleep and shedding tears of worry and grief. He was a tall and imposing man with long, dark hair that was drawn back in a ponytail mostly out of utility and not fashion. His broad, muscular shoulders were held with an air of royalty and power. His mesmerizing green eyes were an unnerving shade of emerald green, giving him a mysterious and mystical quality. His deep, somber, baritone voice, thick with a syrupy southern twang, was gracious and caring. His brooding appearance didn't mask his kind and pleasant demeanor. Palmer Ashford was a humble man grateful that his daughter was still alive after everything she'd been put through. He placed his hand gently on Sybil's forehead and whispering, with his eyes elevated to the heavens, he prayed to the divine. 
O sacred source from whence all power flows, be ever near us in our hour of need. O sacred source of mercy and healing, send the energy of the moon to nourish her heart. Send the energy of the earth to heal with waters from the sacred well. Send the energy of the sun to heal her infinite mind, soul, and body. Send your divine energy to bind and bless this healing with harmony and peace. Send your healing wisdom to my child's body to restore its sacred balance. O divine sacred source of all existence, watch over her tonight. Hold my child safely in your arms until morning comes. Blessed be. Palmer was overcome with emotion. His head lowered as he said, Oh, Sybil, we did what we thought was best for you. Come back to us, child. Aunt Ruby B, in her sweet motherly way, looked at Palmer and said, My, 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 how I do love you, my friend. Don't do this to yourself again. We did the only thing we could. It was the only thing we could do to make sure Sybil would be safe. Oh, law, there was nothing else we could do. Mary was gone, and we were both grieving ourselves to death. Nothing we did, nothing. Nothing could even touch that damn demon. And when it killed Ruby and Lucy and Barton, and we found Sarah in such a state as we did, well, we didn't have a choice. We did the best we could, and I watched over her the best I could. I just can't understand what went wrong. How did that thing get through our wards? Why did the house call her home and not alert me? Palmer, something's not right. Somebody had to mess with those spells. Somebody had to do it on purpose. We were careful. We were precise. We checked them over and over. Nadira bound them. They just couldn't have failed. And the spell to release her magic and restore her memory, it worked. But here she lay, still as the dead. She ain't even moved a muscle. I can't find anything wrong with her. Is she going to be okay? Tell me she's going to be okay. Hey there, family. It's Krista Newby, the voice of Sybil. We wanted to tell you about a very special company called Memory Alchemist. Memory Alchemist is an enchanting company that creates unique small batch hand poured candles, wax melts, and room sprays. Say goodbye to candles that cause allergies or fill your space with unwanted pollutants. Memory Alchemist candles are crafted with the utmost care using high-end coconut and apricot wax blends and the cleanest fragrance oils. Breathe in the captivating scents without worrying about respiratory issues. But we're not just talking about fragrance. Memory Alchemist candles are adorned with exquisite graphics that perfectly match each scent, telling a unique story. It's a delightful blend of sight, scent, and imagination. Light up your world with Memory Alchemist. Discover the art of scent and storytelling. The scent of imagination. You can visit the Memory Alchemist website at www.memoryalchemist.com and tell them Ravenzel sent you. Not meeting Ruby B's eyes, he said in a slow, tortured voice. I'm not sure, Ruby B. I'm not sure what I should do. 
I have led this coven for nigh on nine hundred years, and I have never second-guessed myself. But I'm so afraid we made the wrong decision. I know she'll wake soon, but I can't imagine the torment she must have endured in that house. And we stripped her only real defenses. He sat silently for a moment, and then he said, I sent Quentin, Luna, and Burchard to the house to see what they can find. Hopefully they will be back soon with some answers. Tomorrow night, I'm convening the Grand Coven. We have to learn how to track this demon down and destroy it. We escaped from his godforsaken master, Godfrey Allistone, and the other hunters. I will not allow another member of my coven to be harmed. We've lost too much, Ruby B. This is our home. This is our sanctuary. Ravensvale and Macquarie will not yield. I'll travel to see Nadira in the morning. We'll take care of this, Ruby B. I promise. Aunt Ruby B looked kindly at Palmer and said, I know you can and will, Palmer, but you need to keep up your strength. You haven't eaten a bite in two days. You're going to be no good to anybody if you don't keep up your strength. Palmer knew Aunt Ruby B would pitch one hell of a hissy fit, and besides, his stomach was gnawing at his inside something fierce. Sybil hadn't known what hit her. She opened her eyes slowly. She felt a throbbing pain in her temples as if someone was hammering nails into her skull. Every sound and movement made it worse, and she wished she could curl up in a dark, quiet corner somewhere and sleep. She blinked, trying to adjust her eyes to the evening sun setting just over the top of a grove of trees. She looked around, confused and disoriented. She was lying on the ground, surrounded by tall grass and wildflowers. She had no idea where she was or how she had got there. She tried to remember what had happened, but her memory was fuzzy. And the next thing she knew, she was waking up and laying on the cold, hard ground. She felt a surge of panic as her eyes focused on the old, dilapidated house that stood just beyond the thicket of trees to her left. Just a few yards away, she could see the footpath. And just beyond that, the house. Oh, God, please no, Sybil said, feeling helpless and alone. She wanted to scream, but but she knew what she had to do. A wave of a revulsion swept over her, and she felt a sudden wave of nausea and clamped her hand over her mouth. She bent over and felt her stomach contract forcefully. She gagged and spit out a stream of hot bile into the rocks and grass. She coughed and felt another surge of vomit rising in her throat. She heaved and emptied her stomach again. She gasped for air and felt tears streaming down her face. She was a-shaking and sweating and felt a sharp pang of fear shudder through her body. She got up, feeling dizzy and ready to sick up again. She felt a cold breeze and shivered. She wondered how long she had been laying there and if Ravensvale had been a dream. But the house didn't look the same. It was old and fallen apart. The house was a large three-story Victorian house, if you include the attic. A striking porch lay across the front of the house and wrapped around one side. She could tell it had once been a grand and elegant home, but now it was a shadow of its former glory. The paint was peeling, 
the windows were broken, and the door was hanging from its hinges. The garden was overgrown with weeds, and the fence was rusted and bent. The house looked as if it had been abandoned for decades, but she knew she had just been there a couple days ago. She must be dreaming, or maybe this was the real world. Nothing made sense, but she knew what she had to do. She had to go into the house. This time, without hesitation, she took a deep breath and walked through the wooden gate and down the footpath to the front steps. Something was different. She didn't feel the dread she had always felt when she had had the previous night terrors. She walked up the steps to the landing of the porch. As always, the front door was open, and because she knew what she was supposed to do, she yelled out, Hello? Is anybody home? I'm afraid I'm a little lost. But to her surprise, a familiar girl's voice called back. Sable, we're up here. She walked up through the front door, and without a thought, she walked up the creaking old steps to the second floor. She paused for a moment, and then she heard movement in the last room on the left, where just a few days ago she had slept before Aunt Ruby B had come and rescued her. She'd called it her room, and she reckoned if everything she had been told over the past few days was real, the room had been hers when she was younger. She pushed open the creaky wooden door and stepped into the room, her room. It was mostly as it had been the last time she had been here, but now the wallpaper was faded and peeling, and the windows broke, and the ceiling was cracked and leaking with water stains. The old desk that sat in front of the window was covered with what seemed like years of dust. She walked over to the window and looked out, trying to make sense of what was going on. At first, she was a little puzzled to find herself alone in the room. She knew this is where the voice had come from. She was lost in thought about the night the demon had attacked her. When out of the corner of her eye, a sudden movement caught her attention. She glanced to her left, and her heart skipped a beat as she gasped, spinning around to face two younger girls that looked to be about 16 or 17 years old. She felt a surge of emotion, surprise, fear, anger, and curiosity. She started to speak, but no words came out. She just stared at the two girls, shocked and speechless. They were dressed in gray robes, with very pale skin and long blonde hair. At first glance, they might have been twins, but slowly, subtle differences began to take shape. They looked so familiar, but she couldn't place them. She looked at them for a minute and said, Hello, my name's Sybil. How do you do? How do you know my name? Neither of the girls made a sound, and Sybil realized she could see the wall behind them, She could see through them, but not completely. They were there, but not there at the same time. They were well-defined, but they were also faint and blurry, like a faded photograph. Don't you remember us? We were your best friends. We used to hang out all the time in Hemlock Holler. Remember? One of them said with a hint of sadness in her voice. Sybil looked at them more closely, trying to recall their names and faces. They did look vaguely like someone she had known, but something was off. 
Then she remembered Aunt Ruby B telling her that they had magically bound her memory to protect her. She looked sadly at the girl and said, I'm sorry. I have a little trouble with my memory. I know I should know you. I'm just having a hard time recalling, and I have a really bad headache. One of the girls slowly walked over to where Sybil was standing and placed a hand on her shoulder. Sybil felt a sudden jolt of pain in her head and gasped, clutching her temples. She could barely make sense of the flashes of images that flooded her mind. She saw faces, places, and events, all familiar yet distant. She recognized them as her own memories, but they felt like they belonged to somebody else. Then something changed, and her memories settled into her own mind. She felt a warm glow in her chest and a feeling of hope and joy. She felt a surge of love and recognition. She smiled with tears rolling down her cheeks. She felt the hand on her shoulder and turned to see Lucy standing beside her. Lucy looked at her with concern and tenderness and asked, Are you okay? Do you remember me? Sybil nodded. Yes. Yes, I remember you and Ruby. I remember everything. Thank you. Thank you for giving me back my memory. Lucy looked at Sybil and said, We don't have long, Sybil. We just, we just need, need you to know that we are always with you. You're going to need us to fight the demon. You can call us anytime. Just whisper our names and we'll be there for you. Without warning, Lucy's ghost was violently pulled back beside Ruby and they began to fade, their translucent forms becoming barely visible in the dim light. As their edges became blurry, their color turned from pale white to gray. They seemed to lose their shape, becoming more like a mist than people. The mist drifted away from Sybil, slowly dissolving into the air. Sybil sat upright in the bed and gasped. She looked around the little room at Ravensville in bewilderment as Aunt Ruby B and Palmer ran to her side. Well, family, that's where we're going to leave you today. It's getting pretty late and these youngins need to get off to bed. If you like what you've heard in this episode, make sure you tune in to our next episode in February and see what happens now that Miss Sybil's awake. Now, family, you adults have a few chores to do. If you haven't already, go on over to ravensville.com and see about doing your chores on social media. Follow us on all the social media platforms that we've made available just for you guys. And if you haven't already, you can find Ravensville on your favorite podcast platform. Just search for the Ravensville podcast and make sure you hit the follow button to stay updated with our latest episode. Oh, and tell your friends about us, won't you? So until next time, family, see you soon. Ravensvale is a production of Small Raven Media. Today's story was written and narrated by Ed Bolden Greer. The voice of Sybil Ashford was performed by Kristen Newby. The voice of Aunt Ruby B. Atworth was performed by Lena Perkins. The voice of Palmer Ashford was performed by Jordan Walker. Audio engineering and sound design by Nick Devan at Nikki D. Sound. Copyrighted 2024 Small Raven Media. All rights reserved. <laughs>